Welcome to Always Listing. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay. And we are Always Listing. Uh, that's a different voice on the other end. Hi there. New new, new host. Who dis? <laughs> hey, everybody. It's your old pal, Pod Vader. Or Jay Soderberg. Either or. I answered both. Uh, but uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited. I'm really excited about this too, man. And uh, so let's let's get out of the way how this happened first of all. So you, uh, if anybody wants to know your backstory, we literally did an episode about it. One of the last episodes of this show. As a matter of fact, there'll be a link in the show notes. You can click and listen to that if you haven't. But uh, Jay's got a long and storied career in podcasting. He and I have been friends for like four years now, ish, five years going on, almost. I don't. It's been a while. Uh, but, uh, he helped me take a big leap in podcasting. And, uh, recently when his job made a big career shift, he and I started talking about putting this thing together and doing it on a regular basis. Josh has been semi-retired from this for quite a while. I wasn't able to make the solo hosts go. Uh, but Jay says, it's a good brand. We should do something with it. Uh, why don't we do, I, I don't, I don't want to review podcasts every week for an hour at a time, but why don't we do like podcast news and stuff? You and I both like to have these conversations offline. Why don't we do them online? I think it's a great idea, Jay. <laughs> well, and not only that, I mean, always listening. My former job, I listened to over 7,500 podcasts over the last four years. So I've listened to quite a number of podcasts. If I haven't listened to yours yet, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll gladly listen to it. You can email me. Uh, probably the best way to email me, nextfanup at gmail.com, which is my own podcast's email. But uh it's one of those things I was already doing anyway. So it was a matter of now sharing the love and uh, I'm glad to be sharing it with you. And from the podcast news, you know, one of the things that always bothers me about a lot of the things that end up getting written uh, and sometimes they get talked about on some of the other shows about podcasting, but not necessarily to the degree I think is necessary is providing the right perspective about that particular piece of news. Not everything that happens in the podcast industry is necessarily going to affect you specifically as a podcaster, uh, but some other things that have a larger impact will absolutely impact you directly, and it's something that I think is lacking in this space when it comes to news about what's happening in the podcast world. I think uh, what's really lacking, Jay, is the perspective of two middle-aged white guys. And that's no what I hope that we bring to the table. <laughs> I don't think our voices are nearly represented enough. And uh, I'm just glad that you and I are brave enough to step out there and and bring that to the table. Um, so what, what are you going to get? You're going to get lots of podcast news, lots of commentary on that same news. Uh, the occasional interview, I can imagine that. You and I both have so many friends in the space, uh, so many connections in the space, and when things come up, when one of those people is directly connected to it, it would only make sense to, to bring them on if we can. So that that's a possibility down the road. And then the other thing, and this is the big thing that I think we're going to both bring to it, Jay, is lots and lots of advice on how you can take the news that we're talking about and apply it directly to your show and make a difference. That's, that's something that I don't hear a lot. I think that there's sort of like three levels basically of podcasting there's this company level this corporate level that's happening with with groups like gimlet and and the big media corporations that are moving from traditional media to new media there's the middle road where you've got these pioneers of the industry that have been doing it for 10 15 years already from the very beginning people like you honestly but sometimes i think they forget 
what it's like in the beginning and how you sort of need those breadcrumbs along the way to jump from level to level to level. Uh, so that's what we hope to provide. And then the other thing is we're going to bring you uh, tips for a new show to listen to. Every week we're going to have Always Listening on the Way Out the Door, currently listening to, I should say, and so we'll talk about that. Um, Jay, let's get right into the podcast news, why don't we? And uh, I want to start first with what I wanted to talk about this week. I've been thinking about it a lot. I've heard about it a lot. A lot of people have asked me about it. The uh, the anchor advertisement that they made with Apple. Have you seen this? First of all, I'm assuming you've seen uh, it. No, actually. You I'm, didn't watch I'm the really ad? Different. Okay, so I'm going to have... There's a link in the show notes, uh, so you can, oh, nice. you can find it there, uh, and you can watch the ad after the show. But... Uh, so Apple actually made a series of these ads focusing on the iPad Pro. I think that's sort of overlooked in the discussion of this just because we're focused on the podcasting aspect and maybe a lot of folks didn't even see the other advertisements um but there are a whole series of them the one though that is interesting to us is the podcasting one obviously and it features exclusively anchor it makes sense to me why apple chose it because the whole point of all of these ads is that the ipad pro is this incredibly powerful device that you can basically do anything with all you need is the ipad pro and go kind of thing. That's what the advertisements are about. And uh, with Anchor, that is true. It is the only thing, truthfully, I mean, I, I suppose we should make an exception here for the the uh, app uh, that uh, I use as a media host, the company that I use as a media host, Spreaker. Um, they have an application for the iPad that you could, in fact, do all of the things basically that Anchor is showing that you can do with their ad. Anchor's is a little flashier, and they've got more VC money behind it. Basically, that's the difference. But they are they are the the new you know pretty young thing on the podcasting scene. And again, I can see why they were appealing to Apple to use this. The thing that makes me sad though is that anyone who knows podcasting, Jay, is going to look at this ad and say. Well, if they're not all, if they don't believe that an iPad Pro can do podcasting right now, this ad is going to reinforce that thought for them. Because to them, to most podcasters, to most people who are in this space already, Anchor's sort of a baby toy. Uh, it's looked down on as a media host. It's looked down on as a way to record and capture a show. I think a, a lot of ways. You interestingly have a have a connection here. Uh, your time at Blog Talk Radio. You know, th basically the whole first two years you were there was spent changing the negative perception of Blog Talk Radio as only being about capturing shows with this um, sort of phone network that didn't have a great sound. And that's all people knew about Blog Talk Radio. Never mind that they were a media host. Never mind that they had great dynamic ad insertion tools. Never mind that they had uh, all sorts of uh, great statistics that were industry uh, standard, just like any other media host. Never mind that they had this great Prime program that was actively trying to invest in the podcasting community in different ways so all of those things were going on but all anybody wanted to talk about was the bad phone quality and i think that's what people think about anchor right now they know that it's not a great place to host your show they know that they're doing these nefarious things with the serving maybe of like capturing your connection with apple and things like that and so they overlook the power of the tool that apple's trying to show off in my mind as a guy who's trying to tell people that the ipad can do it all i wish they would have focused on an app like like ferrite which is what i use but on the flip side, boy, it was cool to see my toy <laughs> highlighted there. Like, look what it can do. Your Mac can't do all these things. Like, not in one, not in one application like this. Uh, not with this ease. Not with this modern UI, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and, and I mean, honestly, like, 
the people that it's going to reach are young creators who maybe haven't thought about podcasting, but who do have that new fancy iPad in their hand. And now they're like, oh, well, I could just start capturing my audio right now and, and go. And if that brings new people who have interesting things to say into the space, then that's a good thing. Well, Joel, it's, it's funny because we're going to jump right into that perspective thing right here, right now. And uh, there's a lot to unpack with what you talked about. So Anchor being the, first of all, I love the fact you dropped a Michael Jackson reference uh, in the first show. That's fantastic. Yeah, pretty Young Thing. Uh, if you haven't heard it, PYT, Pretty Young Thing, great song. Anyway, Anchor, uh, why is everybody down on Anchor and and what it is? Well, because the one thing that I hear all the time is, well, free is in the business model. And that is true. And Anchor right now is offering their services for free. You can jump onto Anchor and create a podcast today that will be distributed by Apple today uh, at no cost to you. And how is Anchor going to make money off of that? Honestly, don't know. They have ad insertion. They plan on taking a, a 40% split on the ads that they're going to sell in your podcast. But you're not going to have you know, hundreds of thousands of listens to your podcast today. That's simply not going to happen. If my son decides to grab his iPad Pro and start a show on Anchor, he's going to get one, two listens, and that's going to be nothing in terms of an ad revenue split. So that's that's why these companies are down on Anchor. It, it, and, and honestly, I agree with something that James Criblin has said uh, from Pod News about the fact that, well, if you are generating... Uh, 100,000 new podcasts in a month, but 60,000 of them are going to be dead after the first episode. Is that a good thing? Like, we already hear this thing from all the other podcasters. There's a discovery problem in podcasting. By the way, there's not. There's a discovery problem of your podcast. That's the problem that exists. There is not a discovery problem for podcasts. It's your problem. Anyway, it does lead to a lot more junk that you have to go searching through to find your podcast if there's 60,000 dead ones every single month. And so how do we fix that? I mean, is that something that Apple should be fixing? I would think it would be in Apple's best interest to be taking those dead things off their platform, but Apple doesn't seem to show an interest. And quite honestly, Apple's not generating any revenue directly from podcasting either. So at some point, the big gorilla in the room is going to have to do something about the free product that they are offering to people because we know that, you know, free only lasts for so long. And then somebody goes, now, if I was able to collect a dollar from everyone that listened to my podcast, I could create Patreon, you know, and, and sure enough... Something like that is going to be coming down the line here, eventually. Like, Anchor's going to have to realize they're going to have to pay back all the money that they've gained from the VC funding that they've had. They're going to have to figure out a way to make a return of investment. And ads is not going to be the only way that they're going to be able to do that when 60,000 of their new podcasts are dead. Yeah, you you and I talked about that. So, the, the you know, the idea was that they were going to come in and bring sponsorship to all of their shows, monetize the entire catalog, help sponsor, I mean, help the showrunners themselves and also make money. But it's not feasible when your creators aren't creating. Uh, it's just not, it's just not going to work. Um, my worry is that Apple buys them 
and decides to take a hard turn into controlling podcasting. I don't, I really don't envision that happening, but I look at this current move for Apple into services across the board. They're looking at subscriptions everywhere. They're talking now, you know, the rumors are the other day about a gaming subscription service in addition to the video subscription service that's coming this year, in addition to their music subscription service. They've already got the, you know, you buy storage, you buy all of this stuff from Apple. That is where their growth is going to come over the next few years and Wall Street squeezing them hard. So I understand why they're moving into these realms, but like I hope that they don't squeeze podcasting. They're still in a dominant position that they could do some damage to us if that's what they want to do. Um, so there's the good, the bad, and the ugly about Anchor and their advertisement with, uh, with Apple. Um, Jay, let's talk about some good stuff. You uh, mentioned the top 20 podcasts for December came out from PodTrack. I'm going to put my big asterisk here before uh, you tell me why this is interesting. Um, I have always had a problem with PodTrack stats because PodTrack stats only track shows that use PodTrack, right? And that yeah. is the, the, the big thing there. So anytime you tell me that this is the – and PodTrack is bad about just saying it's the top 20 shows for December. It's the top 20 shows for 2018. It's the top 100 shows ever in podcasting. And I'm like, that use PodTrack, dot, dot, dot whatever so with that asterisk because lots of people do use PodTrack, especially lots of big shows uh jay what does the uh what are the december stats tell us well more i'm glad you brought that asterisk up because that was definitely part of why i wanted to talk about PodTrack stats that get talked about literally every month because they release this list and every publication tends to run some sort of story of here are the top 20 podcasts from this month uh but really what I want people to understand when you look at this list, number one is The Daily, The New York Times. Number two is This American Life. Number three is Stuff You Should Know, which is now part of iHeartRadio. Uh, then it's NPR, 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 Barstool Sports, which by the way, take note of that one, NPR, NPR, Daily Wire, The Ben Shapiro Show, which I believe they now have a deal with iHeartRadio, I'm not 100% sure, Freakonomics, WNYC Studios, NPR, This American Life Serial, NPR, NPR, PRX, Wondery, PRX, PRX. How many of those are independent podcasters, Joel? One of them. Barstool Sports. So Barstool, I believe, started as a Boston uh, website, uh, sort of like the anti-ESPN, essentially, is, is what their whole deal was. And they are very irreverent. Uh, basically, if you're a female, you're not going to enjoy barstool sports. If you're a 18 year old college frat boy, you're going to love barstool sports. That's sort of the mentality behind the content that they put out at, at barstool. And they've built this empire, uh, out of Boston as being the anti ESPN, the anti ESPN, anti Fox, basically anti establishment sports, uh, platform, uh, to all the way to number seven. If you noticed, I didn't mention ESPN. ESPN has been in the top 20 rankings before. That's because ESPN's uh, download numbers are driven a lot by the fantasy focus, and fantasy football season is over in December. So uh, their numbers obviously take a little bit of a dip in the month of December. But that, that what's interesting to me is, you know, independent podcasters want to be, you know, they want to make money, right? They want to make the big money. 
well, guess what? These are the companies that you have to compete against to get that big money. And if you think you're going to get there overnight, you're sadly mistaken. And I think, again, it's that perspective that I'm, you know, at one point at my old job, one of my colleagues used to say, Jay, you are, you are the harbinger of bad news, but it's true news. It's like, I'm the guy that's going to rip the Band-Aid off for you, okay? It's going to hurt, but it's necessary. You got to take the Band-Aid off and you got to understand what it is that you're asking and, and put your goals into a place that are achievable. I've, literally, I've been unemployed for six months and I've literally talked myself out of a job at least twice telling the people that what they want is not achievable, <laughs> that they're not going to make the goal that they want because it doesn't exist in, in this land. All of these shows here are NPR, or, you know, PRX, I essentially associate with NPR. This American Life, you might as well associate with NPR. NPR is a giant, they're not a corporation, obviously, but you might as well refer to them as a giant corporation in this particular space. They are putting out shows and they're successful, not just because they're big into podcasting, but because they are being broadcast over hundreds of affiliates across the country on the best marketing tool that you have, and that's radio. So when you understand how NPR is making these shows so successful, it's not just because, oh, they created a new podcast. It's because they're broadcasting these shows as radio programs that reach millions of more people than what you're going to reach by just making a new podcast and tweeting about it. Uh, Jay, have you been talking to my old radio boss? This sounds like the exact conversation that he and I would have in his office, like every time new statistics would come out about how, how many people had listened to this American life in the last week and a half. He's like, but why do you know about this American life in the first place? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's definitely no chicken in the egg here. Uh, the radio came first people it's and if you want to have the same type of show that's going to reach the same amount of people then you need to have a radio station that puts you on hundreds of affiliates across the country and like this is not a this is not the way that it will be forever right you and i both believe long-term podcasting swallows radio whole Obviously, it only makes sense for one reason, because every radio company will uh, face, you know, less regulation if they move into new media. It's just the inherent nature of the thing. Um, They've got a stranglehold now on Congress in a way that uh, Congress isn't going to be able to put any harsher laws on um, the Internet. But they're also probably not going to free the reins on FM transmission anytime soon. So, like, it, it only makes sense for these companies to move into the digital space as our own technology advances and the penetration of that uh, digital technology goes to every single citizen. But like, even then it'll just be radio over the internet. Like they're not going to change the way that they broadcast because their business model will continue to work for the mass audience. You and I have talked about this many times. Podcast has some podcasting has some sort of, um, peak, I think because, on demand is a thing that 
the average Joe still really doesn't want all the time. Most of the time, I think the average Joe and Jane wants a lean back experience. They want to be fed content. They want to be served. It's the reason why Facebook and Instagram are so popular because you don't have to try. You just continue to let it serve you, right? And it's going gonna, it's gonna to give you the content that you already know you're going to like. Well, and that's why it's so important when you are marketing your podcast to understand that particular concept right there and understand that when I send out a tweet at 10.21 a.m. Eastern time, that the audience that jumps onto Twitter at noon is not going to see that tweet. So I need to have a new piece of marketing because they need a new piece of marketing. They they need something else to see at 12 o'clock noon to feed them so that they can go, oh, oh yeah, I'm going to click that. Oh, I'm going to click that. It's one of those things where, you know, back in the early days, remember when there was that whole thing about uh, <laughs> about tweeting out your direct link <laughs> and, and and basically spamming uh, tweet hits? Um, <laughs> I'm not saying that you need to do that, but I'm telling you the reason why it was effective is because you are hitting a new audience every single time you send out a new piece of social media promotion and they have that lean back experience. Oh, this is what I should be listening to. Click. Well, and I I think that we need to think about that as content producers in the ways that we repurpose and and reuse our podcast. You know, you you shouldn't think about your podcast as just the audio episode that you serve up there. You need to find that image quote that you can make and put on Instagram. You need to find that, um, you know, link that you can take from the show notes and mention a little bit of your commentary and you can hear it all, blah, 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 and post that on Facebook where you have a more extended time. The point is to hit all of the different people that might want, might find your content interesting and then to slowly draw them back to the podcast over time. Some of those people already are into podcasting. Most of them probably aren't. Um, Jay, we spent a lot of time on that one. I want to get over to this before you you have to go this morning. Let's talk about um, the uh, article from powerpresspodcast.com. Our good friend, <laughs> Doug Cochran, um, he, he had some predictions about Apple Podcasts, and uh, you and I found a couple of them in particular interesting. Um, I want to jump before you talk about the one that you were particularly focused on. And by the way, this link is in the show notes too. You can find all this stuff uh, in our show notes or anytime at alwayslisteningpod.com. That's the website where you can find all the episodes. Um, He's got three big sound bites basically. And his third one is the one that I want to talk about. Apple will embrace Alexa. I actually think he's spot on on this one. We just talked earlier about uh, Apple moving into services. You can already see they've made a bunch of deals with TV um, manufacturers to include AirPlay uh, 2, as well as even with Samsung, they're going to have the like the iTunes store effectively available, which means that their video streaming service will be there too. I'm imagining that their recent deal with Alexa for Apple Music was really about the forthcoming Apple TV service or Apple video service being on fireboxes and fire sticks because of their penetration in the market. It's huge. So to me, this one makes plenty of sense. Todd says that uh, Apple will create an Apple Podcasts Alexa skill sometime in the next year. I think that makes a ton of sense to solidify their control on the podcast market. Um, I would not be surprised if they came out with an Android app to compete with Google Podcasts in some way mm. uh, as they continue to grow and expand. What do you think about that one in particular? That would be interesting. 
It would be more interesting if Google Podcasts was actually a thing, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I mean, Google Podcasts is not making the dent that we all thought it was going to, and that a lot of that has to be on Google because uh, they haven't. I mean, they sound like they're embracing it, but they haven't done anything with it, and they certainly haven't made it intuitive. You know, I, I, I've had this conversation with James at Pod News, talking about how yes, Google Podcasts is on every Android phone, but teaching people how to actually use Google Podcasts on their Android phone is not intuitive. It's not something that is easy to tell. It's, it's not even something I think I could do right now. And part of that is because I don't own an Android. So understanding that there's a different audience and making things intuitive. And again, you t- talked about that sort of that group of people that seem to forget, you know, what it was like to start out, you know, I, there's that aspect of it. So we've been in podcasting for so long, we forget how to tell a new person how to listen to a podcast. It's not intuitive. On an iPhone, I know there's a there's an app that's on the phone when I buy it that says podcasts. Well, if I click on that, I'm going to see podcasts. That doesn't that doesn't exist on Google. You have to search the podcast, and then you have to hold down, and then it creates an like what? No, what? No, I don't get it. So. There's just a, we got to make it easier. When we talk about that discovery problem, it again comes down to everything that we do has to lead to less clicks than what we're currently doing because that's the only way to make it easier. So I was bad about this until very recently myself. I, I mean, even as a producer for other people, I was not doing this for my clients in the most effective way, I don't think, until the last six or nine months or so. And what I've switched to now is what I think every podcaster should implement. Whatever your landing page is, when you tell somebody, go to my website and my website is blank. So in our case, it's always listening pod.com. When you go to that, now that resolves to a, a subdomain on my primary business website, but what that page is, what it takes you to is immediately there is a playlist player for every episode of the show in reverse order. So you get the, this one will be at the top starting, you know, tonight or tomorrow or whatever. And then uh, below that, there are five buttons. One says, listen in Apple podcasts. One says, uh, listen on Android or, or one says, listen in Google podcasts. One says, listen in Spotify. One says, listen in Stitcher. And then there's one that says subscribe via RSS. Now I think the first four are mandatory in my opinion the rss feed is there mostly to assuage google because if you want to be in google Podcasts, you have to have an actual button with your rss feed somewhere on the page uh that is your you know landing page so to speak but also it's there for people if you're using some bizarre you know old school tool to listen to your podcasting fine mine works there too just grab the rss feed and you're good but those four buttons, anyone who is already into podcasting, anyone who already knows what they want to do, it's super easy for them to to hop right in there and subscribe to the show. If they don't know how to do it, they would never scroll down the play buttons right there at the top. Everybody knows what a play button works like. Everybody knows how that works. So all you got to do is click and go. Um, so to me, that is the way to set it up from now on if you're setting up your homepage. And if you do that, it doesn't matter you know, how people find you or whatever, and it doesn't matter what they know about podcasting, they'll be able to jump in and, and take part of your content. To take that one step even further, Joel, um, and this is the first time I've uh, looked at alwayslisteningpod.com, if there was a way to put those buttons even next to the player, 
maybe even half and half the screen so that your player, they go to your website. The first thing they see is that player with the big play button. Uh, they click play and they're immediately listening to the podcast. And then next to the player, you have those buttons where you can now choose the way that best suits you in terms of listening to a podcast. To me, um, I will take I, I will take what you just said about RSS, but uh, before that, I would say there's only really two that you need, and that's the Apple and that's the Google, because Google is on Android and Apple is the iPhone. Any other button is just gravy on top of it. If you want to throw Spotify in there, go right ahead. Understand what Spotify will do for you, although I'm hearing that things are changing in Spotify. Hopefully, they will report on that soon, and I can change my tune a little bit about Spotify. Um, you know, and Pandora's coming up soon, uh, and I'm, we're hearing rumors about what Pandora is going to do. And uh, it comes down to understanding, letting your audience make the choice that best suits them. But promoting your podcast should always be about sending them to a platform that you control. Because you do not control Apple, you do not control Google, you don't control any of those other platforms, but you can control your own website. And if you control that part of the listening experience, then let your listener decide what works best for them. It might work best for them to just see your tweet about your website and click on that and go to your website every single week. Or subscribing to Apple might be in their best interest. Who knows? Did, did Todd Cochran sneak on this show suddenly? This sound, that sounds a whole lot like Todd Cochran. Um, uh, but no, but he's well, right. Hey, listen, no, but this is, the, this is the one point that he's absolutely right on and that you and I have always been in absolute agreement with him on. Like, I am the farthest... Uh, away from a, a sympathizer with, uh, you know, the, the far right or, or somebody like an Alex Jones. But if you look at what happened with his YouTube channels, if you look at what happened with his Facebook stuff, hey, his website's still there, isn't it? And his audience can still find him. That's the importance of building your own platform, which you control, just like you said. And then as the winds change, as the as the apps that are most important to podcast listeners rise and fall, you just change the stuff that's on your site and what you're serving for those people that find you. And if you can't afford a website, then you know, using your host website is a fine second place as well. But trying to get your, your host website to incorporate some of those buttons for you would be in your best interest. So if they don't provide those buttons for you, I highly suggest you know, whatever suggestion box they have, sending those emails to those particular hosts hosting sites and letting them know, hey, I want a button for my folks to subscribe on Apple. I want a button to help my folks subscribe to me on Google. Um, and they'll take note. If they get enough of those emails, they will certainly take note and be like, this is a feature that we need to provide for our customers because if we don't, they're going to get that feature from somebody else. So uh, the last point that we want to get to in this uh, message from uh, Blueberry is uh, and, and PowerPressPodcast.com is that Apple is cannibalizing itself. Uh, they, they talk about the idea that have. Apple Watch statistics in particular are on the rise. And this is something that you actually posted about um, right back when the latest Apple Watch version first came out in, uh, what was that, September, I guess, or um, maybe the beginning of, of October. The the new version of watchOS, I believe it's 5.0, allows for, first of all, the podcast app from Apple is on the watch, and it allows for direct downloading and syncing of podcasts there. But also third-party apps like Overcast have allowed, um, they can bring in audio as well and begin background audio playback and things like that. So you've seen sort of like 
a whole rebirth of interest in the Apple Watch from people like us. Um, and Jay, I'll just tell you, my statistics showed it when the Watch OS first came out. I had huge Apple Watch statistics on all of my shows um, right from the beginning. But that was sort of suspect for everybody, right? As soon as I saw it, I went, oh, I've seen this before. So people... I don't know how familiar you are with uh, the IAB statistics. And right now there's IAB certification going on. And essentially, well, let's go all the way back to the beginning. The IAB is a group of uh, people that are trying to establish standards for the way that podcast measurement is done. And they actually have released not one, but two standards for podcast measurement. And, that came out of a group of, a, I think there's 20, 25 different hosting companies that have all participated and put their um, input into what constitutes a download, what, co- what constitutes as a listen, what constitutes as a real human listening interaction with your podcast. And a couple of things have come out about that. There are things called a whitelist. So the different user agents that impact your podcast via your RSS feed, if they came from a certain agent such as Apple, well, that would be, well, it's from Apple. It's got to be a real listen. More on that in a second. Uh, If it came from anything that's labeled as a website, however, that might get blacklisted because a lot of times, especially Google, Google is a perfect one, the Google bot Uh, will come and they're looking to update their information as frequently as possible. So Google will oftentimes scroll over your content and trigger an activity on your RSS feed, and that would oftentimes get counted in your stats previously. And so there has been a couple of times where companies have had to uh, redo your statistics, and that was because there were certain things that were happening in the accounting of your stats where they realized, oh, this is not a real human interaction. This is actually uh, something that's going on with the technology. Basically, a bot has uh, come to this. And Apple was one of the first ones where this occurred, where there had to be a complete recounting of your statistics because when Apple upgraded, I think it was to uh, iOS 11, uh, where it just started pinging your podcast like crazy to update Uh, whatever information they were providing and that was getting counted every single time and there were some podcasts where it that that number for their downloads just spiked to a ridiculous amount and it was like a snowball effect so even though they upgraded uh the 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 change happened in say june uh we didn't really notice this quick snowball effect until like november when all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, we have a huge hit on our hands. Uh, no, unfortunately, it turned out to be a lot of Apple traffic. And Apple was it was getting counted that way because Apple was on the whitelist. I bring this up because the watch OS, I think, is doing the same thing. And there has been some discussion that uh, there's some preloading going on uh, that gets counted twice. Essentially, sometimes the watch is getting counted twice. And with this new IAB certification, I'm curious as to if that has been addressed or not in the way that the accounting is going on with the stats. So I'm hesitant to believe anything I'm seeing in terms of watch OS listening. I'm not necessarily a believer 
I believe uh, my former company said something like 10% of listens was coming from the watch. I don't believe that is true. The- I think that's a. I think that's an accounting issue. There's a bot that's involved that is spiking your watch OS listens. So the, that's almost exactly what Blueberry is claiming too. They're claiming a 9% market share effectively for the Apple Watch in this last quarter from September through December. And uh, they they say that Apple is cannibalizing itself, therefore that that all came from Apple Podcasts uh, market share before. But like my thing is this, first of all, as you said, the apps work in different ways. The app that I use, for instance overcast uh it doesn't download to the watch directly it takes the downloads from your phone and the you know however many most recent or your most popular podcasts the ones you listen to most commonly that sort of thing it even encodes them with the speed boosts and the vocal boosts that you have for those shows and then sends that audio in a smaller format directly over to the watch so there should be no download statistics from overcast at all on the watch but he, like I am a I wear my watch literally every day. I wear it all day long except for when it needs to charge. I sleep with it even I use it for sleep tracking. I'm also a heavy heavy podcast user. Ask me how many times I've ever listened to a podcast through my watch solely, Jay. How many times? Once. I used it once to test it. One time oh. since Overcast came out. I thought it would be a feature that I used a lot, but honestly, I don't have the cellular watch, and I think sales will show you that most people don't have the cellular watches, and if you don't have the cellular watch, you cannot maintain contact. You cannot use most of the functions of the watch away from the phone. So while I could technically take a walk, track my workout, and play a podcast or even an audiobook. I've got the Audible app as well on the watch, and both of those work where you can sync the content locally, and so I could play it directly there to my Apple AirPods. But I don't. I don't because I don't want to not have my phone with me, even when I go on those walks. And I, I think that's statistically the case for most heavy podcast listeners. So the idea that suddenly... 10% of Apple podcast users are moving over and only listening to their watch. I'm with you. I think it is. I think that is folly. I think it's something that needs to be looked at and uh, discussed a little bit more before we release things that, you know, and trust me when it comes to, I'll tell you this right now, when it comes to statistics, I trust anything that comes out of blueberry more than it comes out of any other company. Uh, and they were the first to be IAB certified, and Todd has been in this uh, accounting for quite some time. Uh, I still question, though, uh, anything that has to do with the watchOS. So I would not get all excited if all of a sudden you noticed, oh, 50% of my lessons are coming from the watch, which, by the way, if that was happening, my guess is that would be looked into, and that's not happening. But I would still question that 10% of my lessons are coming from the watch. And I don't. I wish I had looked at what the sales were. I don't know. But if you look at, there's no watch here on the on these arms, and in the people that I relate to, in my, just even in my neighborhood, there's no watch in my neighborhood. Uh, my sister in law owns a watch. Uh, I know my brother does not own a watch. Like, I I don't know who's buying all these watches because I don't see them. All right, Jay, we're running out of time here, and I, I want to get you back to uh, the rest of your day. So real quickly, let's get to our currently listening picks. What show are you going to suggest to the fine folks this week? 
Well, I'm going to cheat this week because I am a consulting producer on this particular show. So, sorry. But uh, this show is called Almost Champions. It's done by my uh, good buddy Robert Flores, uh, who used to work at ESPN. He's now at the MLB Network. His concept is each season he is going to present a team that was destined to become a champion however fell just short uh and was actually the loser so his first season is the 1998 minnesota vikings he has a lot of connections to some of the players involved uh with that particular team and what i love about this particular podcast and we're seeing a little bit more of this in the sports genre in particular obviously a genre very close to my heart uh is it's a combination of storytelling and interview and documentary. It's more of an audio documentary than it is of a straight up like sports podcast. So while it, it lives in the sport genre there, it, it's got a little bit more of that. Uh, I know I hate to, I'm not good. No, I'm not going to call it. It's not an NPR type show. It's, it is an audio documentary in the sports genre, and I, it's, it's a different listen if you're a fan of sports podcasts. Uh, that sounds fascinating. I hear, So from now on, um, my version of an NPR-style show, I'm not going to say that either. I always say it's like cocaine and rhinestones, but for <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so cocaine and rhinestones is for country music. If you want a serious, thoughtful take, if you want it well done and artfully done, that that's a cocaine and rhinestones except for in this case, uh, sports and sports champions, near champions. So I want to know when is, when he's coming out with his episode for the, uh, 2018 new Orleans saints. Yeah. It's a, it's been a big recommendation that he's gotten so far from people. Cause he is, he is looking for other recommendations for other teams to cover. Uh, I think the, uh, the 2018 saints, even the 2017 saints, uh, could be a, a team that he ends up featuring. Um, hopefully, uh, he does not feature anything about the 2007 New England Patriots. I don't. I don't want to hear that particular story. <laughs> you don't. You don't get to complain about down years for the Patriots <laughs> as they head to what is this? Their their 40th Super Bowl in the last uh, decade, something like no, that. No, it's 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 only their it's only their ninth since Tom Brady was their quarterback and eleventh overall since 1985 i mean it's no uh all right so here's my pick uh i'm gonna i'm gonna take you from the uh from the nearly sublime to the nearly terrible uh or the almost always terrible muller she wrote muller she wrote.com is where you can find the show uh but this is a show hosted by an anonymous host she calls herself ag she works for the federal government somewhere <laughs> she's gotten approval to do this show but only if she keeps herself anonymous and only if you know she follows the ethics protocol and and uh not revealing secretive information and things like that but they are going through weekly all of the events and all of the announcements in the Mueller investigation and the investigation into Russian influence in the 2016 election in America. It is fascinating. Uh, the other thing that I love about this show, Jay, is it's all females. The whole show is hosted oh. and run by women. Uh, all of her contributors are women. All of the experts that she brings on are women. I haven't heard them. I mean, maybe she's had a man on the show. I'm assuming she has had a man at some point on the show, but I've not heard one. I just... Uh, 
I didn't know this show. It's been running for about two years now, actually, since the very beginning of the Mueller investigation, I think. Um, but she's got a very successful Patreon up and running. They just started doing four Patreon supporters. There's a midweek show as well. The regular show comes out Sunday nights. And it is very much the kind of thing where you can sort of finish your week, put the kids to bed, grab a glass of wine or a glass of scotch, and uh, listen to Mueller, she wrote, and and uh, wash your cares away. So that's what I've been doing on my end of the weekends lately, uh, or first thing Monday morning I listen to, to Mueller, she wrote sometimes. Uh, so that's my pick this week. It's a really, really good show. Independent show, as you said. Uh, somebody that is doing this on the side. The interesting thing to me will be, because she's got such a gift for broadcasting, um, once this is all over... First of all, how will she transition and try to use that audience and the popularity that she has when Trump is no longer a punching bag for her uh, or when this investigation isn't going on? And then secondly, how will she transition out of anonymity into a public persona? You've seen this before, like in the very beginning of mm. podcasting, and uh, I'm thinking about who's a Callie Lewis, right? Like, uh, I mean, you know, she was pseudonymous for a long time. So it's been done before, but I think that transition will be interesting to see. But I mean, th- this this woman could very easily have a cable news show today she's at least as capable as somebody like rachel maddow honestly she and she's compelling to listen to too very funny uh i'm i'm glad that you said that it's all women because my first question uh having not listened to the show yet is uh was she using a voice uh, <laughs> a voice disguiser hello this is Mueller. she <laughs> so that's that's what my wife said like was she listened to like 30 seconds of it one day and she was like she ain't going to stay anonymous very long. But I said, well, I don't think it's really about anonymity. I think it's about one of those, like, I'm not speaking for my employer sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Like, she has to very much divorce this show from the office that she holds, whatever that is. But, like, um, uh, no, she doesn't use a, a, a vocoder or anything. I want to say, actually... She did have a guest on one time that I heard that used a vocoder, but maybe I'm just imagining that now in retrospect, or maybe I'm conflating a couple of shows together. But anyway, if you're at all, I don't, I kind of watch cable news. I just, I can't handle the way that they force feed things and it's always sensationalized on whichever side. I try to read things. I try to follow news on Twitter, but like this is a thoughtful and funny explanation of the week's events and and she just goes through the the things that are important that you need to keep up on so if you're interested in this case in particular i think this is a great way for you to get that info while still having a good time too um jay i think this was successful what do you think i think so i had a blast i did too there's two the the two stories that we haven't done that one of them i absolutely am dying to talk about so well look are you are are you pressed for time hell we'll just make this one an extra long episode how about that i am not i am not pressed for. well let's get to the one let's get to the other one that you really wanted to talk about let's do that which one did you want to go to uh this is called the, the title of this particular article is called the secret sauce of podcast advertising and it is written by a good friend of mine named tom webster uh, if you don't know who Tom Webster is, he is the guy uh, at Edison Research who will tell you all about podcasting stats in a very funny and lighthearted way. And by the way, the next time he is presenting the next share of ear data for podcasters is early March. Uh, you can go to uh, just Google Edison Research, go to their website, and you can actually sign up to uh, attend that webinar live if you want. Uh, and you're going to get all of the latest up-to-date stats on podcasting. And he wrote an interesting article on Medium about podcast advertising. And 
uh, I really was hoping to go toe to toe with him because one of the sub headlines I had read was how advertising is ruining your podcast, and I was like, oh, all right, Tom, here we go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to and but honestly. What he writes in this article is perfectly written and 100% correct. Uh, and he's specifically talking about pre-produced ads. So I could sit here and tell you pre-produced ads are ruining your podcast. If you take that line out of context of what he wrote, then that's what you're going to think. But that's not what he writes. He's writing about the fact that if you have a crappy ad in your podcast and you bunch it up like they've done on radio, you're going to absolutely turn off your audience. It's a matter of understanding that the crappy production that's being presented in the ad space and being used on some podcasts right now is something that you need to be aware of, but use at your discretion. Don't go and overload a show any particular medium. Don't go and overload that particular medium with advertising. You're going to turn off your audience. That that goes without saying. I don't care if it's a host-read endorsement. If you have five host-read endorsements in your podcast, you have too many in that particular episode, uh, and you're going to turn off your audience. It, well, especially it if they're back-to-back, -back, right? That's the right. other thing. Like you cannot, you cannot program like radio did where, oh, let's go seven and a half minutes worth of commercials <laughs> right after the hour break because that's when Nielsen isn't looking. You know, like That's not the way that it works. As he writes in his article, second-by-second second measurement of podcasts is coming. That's something that will be a thing in our future. And when it does, the impact of a crappy ad or too many ads will be as clear as day because ads for irrelevant products, poorly produced spots, and even host-read ads that ramble without a point for four minutes are all going to be skipped. And when ads get skipped, ads don't perform. And when ads don't perform, podcasting will suffer as an ad medium because understand an ad in your show you're not just you're not just putting an ad in your show to get money from somebody somebody's not just handing you money to be like hey play my message they're paying you money so that you can turn your audience into a purchaser of that product and if you don't return an investment to that particular sponsor you lose that sponsor uh, I know we've mentioned Todd a number of times today, but Todd will always talk about his relationship with GoDaddy and the reason why he's had such a long and success, a successful relationship with GoDaddy is because he has found a way to constantly churn new purchasers of the GoDaddy product. If he didn't, GoDaddy wouldn't be on his show for as many years as it has been. So that's something that podcasters need to understand. You're not just getting money from a person because they like you and they like your content and they want to, quote unquote, sponsor it. They're giving you money so that you can turn your audience into a purchaser for their product. I'll use a different example uh, from the tech world. John Gruber um, who does the talk show, uh, runs Daring Fireball, his, his blog site that was up before that. But he's had Squarespace as an advertiser. I mean, not every episode, but most episodes. And it's for years and years and years and years. And he always jokes. He's like, surely there's nobody that's listening to my show that hasn't signed up for Squarespace yet. But there is. And one of the main reasons is because the way that he pitches it is you don't want to be a, um, uh, a web manager for your sister-in-law or your kid's school, 
or whatever. So just because you're the technically adept person in your family's life, which if you're listening to his show, you are, when your kid's school comes and says, hey, can you build us a website? You say, yes, I'll build it Squarespace, and then you can handle it, and you can handle it because they've got customer support that'll take care of you, and I don't have to manage that domain for you for the rest of time just because my kid went to your school one time six years ago. He's continually delivering for his advertiser, and because of that, they continue to come back to him. Um, I, I, I 100% agree with you, and I 100% agree with this. I also think that the key to – I don't think dynamic ad insertion is is inherently wrong, but we need to find what is native content for dynamic ad insertion, just as we found what is native content for the host red ad for podcasting. Like if you want a, a native content ad that's in the flow of the show, stopping and saying, oh, by the way, did I tell you about Casper? Oh my God, they sent me a mattress and I love it. And it's the best mattress my wife and I have ever slept on. We like it so much. My father-in-law has one now. He had a bad back for years and it's great. And you can buy one too. And it's a hundred dollars off if you use my promo code, right? That's right in the middle of the flow of the show. So what is the native version just like when they first started doing tv ads they didn't know how that was they were just doing radio ads on television and then eventually they found no it's a visual medium we have to really focus on that so what is the native version of dynamic ad insertion and i've heard it a couple of times it's hard to put your finger on and generally they're so short because if they're good they're like 15 seconds and out you know but like there there are some seriously good brand advertising already from some of the big brands that see what this could be and are getting ahead of it in a way by by making jokes by by point by being meta by referencing the fact that you're getting this ad in a podcast that, you know, the podcaster didn't talk about it or blah, 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 you know, whatever. Like there's all sorts of ways you can do it that can make it compelling content. Just like my, my favorite example of, of good podcast advertising, Jay is my brother, my brother and me, they say, now it's time to go to the money zone and there's a little theme music that rises and then they start talking about the advertisers but the whole time they're talking about the advertisers they're making jokes they're referencing the advertiser's name they they do a they literally do a thing called the jumbotron where you can write a 30 second message or whatever and they'll read it on air they're making fun of you while they're reading it and you paid them to do so jay and it makes for compelling content so that when i get to the middle of the podcast i don't skip those four minutes I listen to them because they're funny, just like the rest of the show. Well, I, I joke that Coke Zero is popular because of what we did on the Fantasy Focus podcast back when Coke Zero was first launching. Uh, but on that particular podcast, people would get their emails read if they put in a funny reference to Coke Zero. If they had a question about a fantasy football player that they wanted answered, they knew that if they put in something referencing Coke Zero in that particular question – it became it was something that we were going to answer for them and by the way every time we did that you're subconsciously doing an ad for coke zero like hey what is as good as the refreshing taste of coke zero uh this week in the running back realm what's your top five running backs this week i mean that's an ad for coke zero but it's not an ad it's, it's part of the content so you're right finding a way to integrate your advertiser into your content as much as you possibly can. How do we do that? How can we use dynamic ad insertion to do that uh, to a to a to some extent that that can still God strike me down for using this word. It's the second time I've used it today, not on this podcast. Scale. How can we make that scale uh, so that it's effective for the advertiser? 
for the creator and for the consumer. Boy, if we can answer that, you and I'd be both doing a lot better than we are this morning financially, Jay. We got to crack uh, that nut. Let's do it. Well, and I think, and I think you brought up another topic for us to discuss maybe later. Not necessarily today, but you talked about Overcast and Marco, uh, who invented the Overcast app, is mentioned in this particular article. And I did actually use this specific example when talking to another company, perhaps for employment, uh, that is in this particular space, and just sort of understanding that technology is not evil. It's not here to be used for evil purposes. It's here to make things better. It's made it, it's, We can use the technology in a positive way that will ultimately help us as an industry, podcasting as an industry, grow to an extent that it is taken seriously. I'm not saying that it's not taken seriously now, but um, I saw another article by a friend of ours, Mark Asquith, who, who uh, is the um, proprietor for Rebel Base Productions or whatever they got over there. RebelBaseMedia.io, uh, yeah, I think. How, how dare they try and encroach <laughs> on my brand? Anyway, uh, but Mark writes that you know, Mark writes that we are still a baby in terms of um, uh, in terms of a media. You know, television and radio has been around here for hundreds of years now. I think radio is getting ready to celebrate their hundredth anniversary or something like that. Um, podcasting hasn't been around for that long. Two thousand and four was when I was brought into an office to say we need to start doing podcasting at ESPN, and podcasting wasn't around much before two thousand and four. So. We still have we we've been around for a while. We've certainly been around the block, but we still got a long ways to go. And I think technology is going to be the way that we're going to get there in a quicker way than what radio and television had to go through as they were growing. Yeah, we have to learn from the lessons of history and not just make the same mistakes and stumbles that they did. Like we can jump ahead because we've seen and be able to use them as examples. Um, I think you're absolutely right. That, my friend, I think is a pretty good place to leave it there. Look at that. You got a bonus topic today. You got a full hour of podcasts from us. Uh, it's not going to be like this, normally. It's going to be about a 30-minute show. That's what you can expect. Every Tuesday morning, though, we're going to try to start live streaming it, too. Frankly, Jay and I were not ready for the camera this morning, although I think this is going to be up on YouTube if I can. I don't, anyway. know, what you're talk- I don't know what you're talking about. You my beard the- is on point. I was going to say, man, your beard is delicious. It really is. It's, it's very fine. Generally, uh, uh, although Next you've been... it's going to be gone. <laughs> That's the thing. So, so if you want to see my beard, you better put this on YouTube because <laughs> the beard will be gone next week. It'll it's either a, it's be a playoff beard. I got you. Yeah, it'll, it'll either be it'll either be a winning shave or it's going to be a loser shave. And honestly, I'm thinking about streaming my shaving of the beard uh, on my Instagram. I don't know. We'll see. Nice. All right, uh, Jay. Where can people find you on Twitter? On Twitter, I am at the real Pod Vader. Because some idiot decided to take Pod Vader before I got onto Twitter, so I am the real Pod Vader, and uh, yeah, and I, I am at the Rogues Life on Twitter. You can email us, uh, Jay. You mentioned yours earlier, but you can email the show alwayslisteningpod at gmail dot com as well. And uh, if you're listening to the show and you've got a podcast yourself, you'd like a couple of uh, really talented eyes on it. Both Jay and I are available for consultation, so hit us up on that as well right jay uh i'd like to say i have talented ears my eyes you know i wear contacts so 
Well, we got to look at the website too, man. It's both. Oh, it's good. all the things. It's all the things. Uh, all right. Until next time, we've been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay. And we are always listening. Yeah, I know I ain't seen it all, but I've seen enough. Yeah, I know I ain't seen it at all, but I've seen enough. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all our reviews by searching Always Listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. Also, you can find us anytime at alwayslisteningpod.com or email us at alwayslisteningpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Enough by Bethany Rayburn. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.